Cheerscast is part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Sam, I don't understand. Why does Carla want Eddie to screw up? Well, you see, if Eddie loses and Carla wins because of who she's no longer a jinx, but if he wins, then Carla loses because it reinforces the jinx theory. Ah, the old boy loses, girl wins, boy wins, girl loses, jinx reinforcement theory. If I've seen it once, I've seen it once. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly and with me to discuss the second part of Never Love a Goalie, the story that introduces Carla's new boyfriend, Eddie Lebeck, back for another shot on the ice, the host of Mr. K's Super Show, Chris Karam. Welcome back, Chris. Thanks again, Ryan. It's great to be here and I'm, you know, I'm really glad that to do a two-parter because now we get to find out what happens to, uh, you know, Eddie and Eddie and Carla, because, you know, this last week has just been, I've been on, you know, pins and needles. <laughs> yeah, it's been so like nerve wracking just trying to figure out wh- where they go from here. Let's find out right now. Uh, season five, episode 17, Never Love a Goalie, part two. Again, written by Ken Levine and David Isaacs. Again, directed by Jim Burroughs. This time, the original air date was Thursday, February 5th, 1987. The Boston Bruins continue a losing streak fueled by the disastrous play of their goalie, Eddie Lebeck. Off the ice, however, Eddie is doing great in his new relationship with Carla, who won't hear any bad-mouthing of her boyfriend from the gang at Cheers. It's apparent to Norm and Cliff that Carla has jinxed the star of their hockey team. Even Frazier concludes that two people as superstitious as Carla and Eddie could succumb to jinx-like effects of the psyche. Carla doesn't want to believe that she's the cause of Eddie's on-ice woes, but he swears nothing has changed between his winning streak and his slump other than he began dating her. With nothing else to blame, Carla's love of Boston sports supersedes her love for Eddie, and she publicly dumps him in the bar. Meanwhile, the murder trial to which Diane served as foreman of the jury is dismissed, but when Diane sees the defendant and alleged victim together at Cheers, her words spark an almost violent outbreak from the couple. That night, Eddie makes the winning save, ending the Bruins' losing streak and seemingly confirming Carla's fears. He comes back to Cheers knowing why she broke up with him. They can't be together if she's a bad luck charm. He gives her a gift, a tape recording of their song, the National Anthem of Canada. (laughs) Days later, however, Carla and Eddie are back together in Cheers, having a wonderful time. But before he leaves for the game, Carla dumps him again, reciting the same language she used before. Sam explains to a confused customer that Carla and Eddie found a loophole in their superstition. They can date between games as long as they break up before he plays. And that was the concluding part of Never Love a Goalie. What did you think of this chapter, Chris? Really good, a really great follow-up. There's some just some wonderful bits here. I mean, you got to love the fact that they found a loophole that all they have to do is just date between games and then break up, you know. And and, and of course, like they really lay it on thick when they have the you know quote-unquote breakup. Uh, overall, yeah, very good episode. I think the, the story was resolved very well. Um, you know, after this, we don't see Eddie for a while, um, so I you know we I, I guess we assume that they're still off and on or whatever, but we don't, I don't know if we hear much about Eddie until the, the following season, but 
this was a very funny episode, some great lines, and um, obviously we're going to go through that. But yeah, I enjoyed this very much. It was a, a really worthwhile conclusion to this you know, two-part story. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Our teaser, every time we get a, a multi-part episode, we, our teaser has to serve as sort of part narrative and also part recap. So in this case, um, we get Sam comes into his office and he's playing messages on his answering machine. The first one is from Carla, who right, reminds the audience that she's dating Eddie, but he's in this slump, the losing streak. Um, the second message is from Diane, who mentions that she's on, still on jury duty, but she can't talk much about it. And then she starts to reveal little bits of information. And Sam fast forwards the message for like many seconds and it comes back diane is still in the middle of talking about the case that she shouldn't be uh until she gets called back to the court um and then the last one is uh from woody and he says that he was supposed to deliver a message from diane i love you and then the next message is woody calling back to clarify when he said that he meant that was from miss chambers diane saying she loves sam and then Woody called back again and left another message saying, don't take me wrong. It's not that I don't like you. I mean, you're a really great guy. I like you a lot. And then hangs up. And then Woody leaves the final message where he's like, you know, Sam, I've been thinking it over and I do love you. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> you see Ted dancing, like cracking up, like just listening yeah, to yeah. this thing. So I, I don't know what he was responding to. Like, if, I, I imagine it was just a PA, somebody on the set just reading the dialogue to him. Uh, and, and Ted imagining that it was Woody's voice, maybe, maybe Woody was reading it off, uh, off this, off the stage or something like that. And he was responding to the actual voice, maybe, but I, I just, I love the way he's reacting just, and, and Woody just, you don't even have to see him. You just see, you make up the, the in-between spots of those four phone calls. That's so brilliant. Yeah. I mean, you know, like a guy like Sam, like when he comes in every day, he must have, you know, tons of messages, but that's the one that just, you know, really gets the best laugh line. You know, I guess I, I I do love you, Sam. You know, like it's like <laughs> you can hear like he's he's grappling with this like it's some sort of existential dilemma. How do I feel about you know this guy? It was my boss. He's my friend. And you know, this was you know back in the the era when you know sensitive males were kind of not in vogue so much. You know, it was more more like the Sam Malone type. And right, Ted Danson's uh, or Sam's reactions rather are just priceless you know he's just he's laughing as much as we are he's maybe he may right. not be like, you know busting a gut but yeah definitely I, and i'm wondering if the woody lines were just like thrown at him maybe he didn't wasn't anticipating them you know maybe, <laughs> maybe they threw him a curveball like he, he obviously had to know about diane because he had to speed up the message I just, you know, but whatever the case, it it was a great take. And it was obviously just a really good moment captured on film. And, you know, it's a great little opener. Again, you know, apropos of nothing, it it really doesn't have a lot to do with the episode, but most of the teasers really don't. But I I enjoyed Mm -hmm. it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I I think you got it. Like the the sensitive man was not a trope that we, we cheers necessarily delved into a whole lot and if they did they often kind of made fun of it and there were certainly sometimes when they they didn't deal with gay panic as tactfully as they could have uh, a right. lot in, more so in the 90s era episodes um but yeah in this case just one 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 best friend saying i love you to the other one almost he's, he's a kid brother and he just it's such an adorable little moment for them even with woody not being on the screen 
So then when we come back, Cliffy is like, say, he's asking uh, Norm if he'll help him do his taxes this year. And Norm's like, yeah, sure, I'll help you. He's like, good, because I think I'm going to need some help with all these new tax laws this year. And Norm is like, what new tax laws? Like, he's, like, <laughs> for, like, he's paying attention for the first time, like when he looks back. And Cliffy's like, you know, never mind, forget about it. And Norm just goes back to reading the, whatever yeah. it was in the paper. Like, well, again, like, you, know, like, you think like nor like first like Norma's like, hang on, wait, did I hear you right? And then when he's like, no, you don't, never mind. He's like, okay, he just be out of sight, out of mind. Then he's not going to follow up. Yeah, he's not going to like you know, or like maybe find out what those new tax laws are, so he can be up to stuff on his job. But but then again, you know, I don't know if he even has a job at this point because we never see him at work or talking about work. I mean, I mean, you know, maybe we have. I haven't watched. I haven't watched the season five episodes in a while, but. Yeah, it's a great line. Like the way, like Cliff just instinctively knows to just drop it and let it go, and and Norm just doesn't even press the issue. Like, okay, yeah, we're fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think. I can't remember the last time we we dealt with anything with Norm at an office setting. Like he might be right now. He might be a self employed accountant, um, just handling like a few people's books at the bar. But yeah, I don't remember. Then they start to talk about Eddie and the 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 Bruins slump and everything like that. And Cliff says that athletic slumps fall into four categories: physical, emotional, psychological, and dental. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dental. I, I you know again, it's it's it's, it's a Clavinism. Like I don't know where Cliff gets that from, and I'm you know it's almost a wonder that he didn't go into why. There's a dental component to it, but yeah, great line, great line. Then we cut away from the bar and we actually get a, a shot of Diane dealing with her subplot as, as the jury uh, is led into the jury room during a break in the case. Um, and we get um, a few other jurors have, have dialogue in that. Juror number one, uh, not the foreman, but played by William Jackson. Uh, juror number two is played by Laura Waterbury. She has lots of small appearances in the 80s um, and 90s. Um, and actually, her her last credit, according to IMDb, was an episode of Frasier. Wow. Um, juror number three is played by Linda Hoy, and juror number four, played by Hawthorne James. Um, I only remember him playing Sam the bus driver in the movie Speed, um, with uh, before Sandra Bullock has to take over and drive the bus. Uh, he was in there, um, but he had lots of other small movie and TV parts. But yeah, so they go in there. They are tired. They are hot. They just want. It's like the twelve angry men. They just they just want to get out of there and get over this. But Diane, of course, has notebooks filled with notes that she has taken of the case. And they're like, the the court stenographer does all of this. Why are you writing anything down? And she says that the stenographer doesn't write down meaningful looks, um, like you know, telling like facial, like you know, body language things. Yeah, she's all of these things that Diane believes that give her more insight into the case than anybody else and and the defendant. Um, everybody thinks the guy is innocent, but Diane is convinced that he's guilty of attempted murder. She says her fiance has the same kind of disarming charm. And they're like, wait, are you saying you're engaged to somebody who you might be a murderer? And juror number four is like, no, don't stop her. Let her do it. <laughs> that was a great line because it was delivered with such sincerity. Yeah, like, exactly. You can tell like they're all just like tired of her. They, they, you know, like probably in the way that some of the cheers uh, regulars are sometimes, but they just want this to be over with. They don't want to deal. They don't want to deal with her anymore. But she refused. You know, they're, yes. <laughs> they're as enamored of Diane Chambers as Carla is on, on any given day. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Um, and then the, the scene kind of ends when the bailiff calls them back to the courtroom and says that the, the judge needs to talk to them. And then we get a little bit of a uh, something that will basically uh, a plot error, something that doesn't make sense because the bailiff says that Mrs. Grand, the defendant, is dropping the charges against her husband. Now, if this was an attempted murder case, that's not a civil trial. This is a criminal trial. She's not pressing charges. Like the DA is the one bringing charges, and the DA can can drop them if they want. Like maybe, like I think there had to be something else to this or whatever, like that. Like if she was recanting her testimony or something. But like if it was attempted murder, she can't just say no. I'm dropping the charges, and like they, they dismiss the trial or whatever. Like not in a criminal case. Yeah, exactly. But you know, this is a this is a you know a TV sitcom and. Right. In the interest of expediency and moving, you know, the plot line, just resolving the storyline, they everyone's just so relieved that it's over that they don't care. And right. of course, Diane and is distraught is- because she doesn't feel like justice is being done and she's not being heard, but nobody cares. <laughs> This is also the same fictional Boston legal system, like court court system, where just three episodes ago, Sam and Diane had to get engaged in court or he would go to jail. Right. <laughs> so we, we saw how that one turned out. So, yeah, maybe this is just par for the course. Like until until all of those like David E. Kelly shows like the practice and Boston legal and Allie McBeal took over. This is what Boston had to deal with for their court yeah. system. So then. Back at Cheers, Carla doesn't want to hear any negativity about Eddie, but the guys think that she's a jinx. And even Frazier is like, well, they're, these are two very superstitious people. And if in that case, they just they become so fixated on the problem that it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, so they're, they're, they're in that case, like even though a jinx isn't real, it, they, the effect of it basically does, does come true, it, no matter what. And so somebody... Somebody in the bar has to tell Carla that she's changing because the guys, as you said, they only care about their, their sports. They just want Boston to have a winning hockey team right. again. And if that means Carla and Nettie can't be together, then she's got to take she's got to bite the bullet and take that for for the team. Really, they they care more about the Bruins than about her happiness in this case. Um, so they all have to draw a short straw to see who delivers the message, and unfortunately, it's Norm. And he goes up there, and before he can say anything, she's like, do you think I'm jinxing Eddie? And he's like, what? No way! And yeah, yeah, he wants he's, like, he's able to walk away just looking up going, thank you, God. Yes. Like, Typical Norm. You know, Norm does not want to rock the boat. Norm does not want to be involved in any disputes or confrontations. And, you know, he takes advantage of her, like, assessments to just go, yeah, you're right. And, you know, th- like you said, thank you, God. Yeah, Norm, you know, George went, he... You know, before Cheers, he was one of those, you know, character actors who was in a lot of different things, and uh, including an episode of Mash, as you'll see later on in the run. And he really found a home here to the point where when you think of George Went, you think of Norm. I mean, that's going to be the defining role of his career. I mean, he's done other things, obviously, but let's face it, you know, 11 seasons with Norm and even some post Cheers guest appearances on Frasier. You know, he is Norm, and he just plays it to the t- he just plays it to the teeth. You know, he he doesn't. George Went is just a consummate actor in that you know playing that role that you know yeah. Norm. When when Diane comes back and she's dealing with like she's explaining how like this awful miscarriage of justice and she's upset 
and she tells him she she's like how can a man uh, how can a man tell a woman he loves her and yet try to kill her and sam was like oh i can see it <laughs> it's like yeah yeah like no problem um and then she actually sees the couple uh in the bar and here's where we get our guest star uh bill grand the uh, alleged attempted murderer uh is played by brent spiner yeah as most people data, know mr data himself yeah, from Star Trek: The Next Generation, yeah, all those things, that. and and he's he's one of those people. Like whenever I I constantly get people sending me the memes that like Cheers is just a, a level on the hollow deck or something like that because of all the connections between people who were on yeah. Cheers and also on Star Trek. Um, and one of them is the Brent Spiner's uh, one little guest role here. Yeah, and it's really cool to see him because this is obviously several years before Star. Well, actually, no, actually, no, not that right around the time of the next generation, but you know, it's, it's always interesting to see Brent Spiner um, out of character without the pale makeup and playing this really, you know, this guy who after, you know, he gets into it with this woman again, they get into a, a bit of a scrap or fight. You kind of almost believe that he probably did try to kill her. Yeah. Very, yeah. He's kind of, he's got like this little nasty, nasty thing yeah, comes he, out he, of him. And it's like, Oh yeah. yeah. And Brent Spiner plays it well. I mean, he's he's obviously got even with as Data, you know, he had great comic timing. With Data, it's a little more dry and a little more not obvious. But here, he just plays this guy who's a bit of a scoundrel, and you you kind of don't like him. But at the same time, it's 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 really nice to see uh, another connection between uh, Cheers and Star Trek, like you were just saying, you know. So, Car- Eddie comes in and. They, they're having their talk or whatever, and just like the more they, they try to analyze the relationship and what he's been doing wrong, how has his routine changed, what could be jinxing him, they're just eliminating everything from the checklist except for the fact that he's now dating Carla. Like that is the, the one obvious thing. And Carla, in her heart, she's one of the guys too. And it seems like you know as much as she loves him, it's it, just like Norman Cliff. It's it's more important that the Bruins have their winning team, and she doesn't want to. She doesn't want to be the 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 reason that the whole city of Boston is is losing their their beloved team, their franchise, and everything. So she tells him to hit the bricks, and they have this whole you know little puffle thing. And she she tries to play it off. She's like, you know, it was fun at first, but now you know that that part is lost. You got to get out of here, and. He leaves and, and it's a, it's a tough kind of breakup. And then later on we see like during the game and everything. And at this point, this was the thing that I like that not only have we seen Frazier is willing to go to a hockey game and get into a fight with somebody. Now, when he's watching the game with the guys, he's mad at the refs for calling these ticky tack penalties. And he's like, let him play the game. And he's like, that wasn't a slashing call or something like that. He's like promoting and encouraging the violent part of the hockey game. He's that into it now. It's like that's yeah. that's the turn that we've seen in Frazier in these two episodes. Yeah, it's funny to see him become like kind of like one of the gang and that he's just as swept up in the whole uh pandemonium of it that they are and, to, and and in fact when he says something like that you know and, and it it has some you know it actually means something it, it's even funnier because Fraser crane is you know a, a man who's allegedly sophisticated and you know he's well read and likes good wine and uh you know he's a bit of a snob but he has that side of him where he can be a bar fly into the in the moment and just caught up in what everybody else is doing and it's nice to see that like it's not it's nice to see that Unlike Diane, who never really completely was assimilated, 
he can find some common ground with the, with the regulars there, the barflies like Norman Cliff, and you know enjoy his time there when he's you know when he's not engaged in his higher pursuits. Right, right. Um, so the game ends with Eddie stopping the last shot and winning the game for Boston. And this is a great moment for everybody in the bar, except for Carla, who was devastated. And, and there's a great little exchange. I, I played at the beginning of this episode between uh, Woody and, and Sam, like explaining why Carla is upset that, like Eddie might win the game and, and Sam has to explain the superstitious aspect that it confirms her, um, her, her, her fears that she's the jinx and problem and that they can't be together. Um, so after the game, Eddie comes back to the bar to see her and he's like, I, now I, I understand why you dumped me. You think that you're the cause and they go through this whole thing. And it's like, they can't, they can't be together if, if she's going to be, if she's going to ruin his, his career and, and the team. Um, so he, he leaves her with a tape of their song, which is, yeah. Oh, Canada, the uh, national anthem of, Can- of Canada. Um, and there's a, I mean, it's, it's a touching, it's a touching little breakup scene. And it actually, it, you kind of feel like, like this, this could have ended the way so many of the Carla centric episodes of Cheers end. Like she had uh, an episode in season two or three where she was dating a guy with a bad heart or something like that. And there were like the other episodes where like, you know, she, she thinks she found a guy, but it's something stops it. It's not going to last, you know, like the, the Bennett Ludlow guy, the, the father of one of her kids and everything like that. And, and surprisingly, we don't find out that she's pregnant at the end of this episode, um, right. which is where this one could have gone. Um, but yeah, it, it really sets it up that you think that, oh yeah, we, Carla has to revert to status quo where she's just a single mom of six. And as she tells Sam for a, for a surprising change, Carla doesn't end up with a guy. Um, but they pull this little turn at the very end and they're together and they, they seem to be like hitting it off and everything. And, and, uh, like you know flirting bantering with each other at the bar and then he's like okay i gotta go to the game and then she just like stops and very abruptly almost formally is like eddie hit the bricks and he's like what's the problem and they they're going through their dialogue almost like by rote like they have to get through this scene that they've memorized and he takes off and one of the other customers that was like just one of the tertiary guys is like i was here last week didn't they already break up and sam has to explain it's like yeah they break up before every game that's that's their little routine, yeah. and Eddie pops his head back in. He's like, "Hey, Red Wings next Thursday. I'll give you, I'll give you tickets." Hey, eh? he kind of gives her like a thumbs up, and that was just like a really sweet little ending that they they found this loophole and she can still be kind of happy. It's it's fun. I I like the happy ending that they give her. Yeah, it's not the typical thing like you said where she gets pregnant or you know she just ends up alone. So, you know, presumably this is going to be like their relationship going forward, although we aren't going to see Eddie till I believe next season. Um, but, you know, yeah, it's it's nice. And it's kind of funny that they just like you say, they found this loophole where, you know, they break up right before every game. And then, you know, but but then he still throws in like, I'll, I'll see you next week or, you know, and he's already, you know, they know it's a it's a it's a fake, but. Apparently it must be working because, you know, we don't hear about him losing any more games. So 
I mean, you know, works for them. And yeah, it was very sweet and it, it was a little different. You know, like you say, normally a Carla relationship does, they don't end very well and, or they end up with her being pregnant again. So it's kind of a nice little twist. Um, yeah, just overall, I like this as a two-parter. It was nice that they give, they give Carla a, um, a nice meaty kind of storyline for a couple of episodes. And, uh, they, they introduced this really f- kind of fun new character who, again, we're, you know, like, you're right. We're not going to see him again until the next season, but he'll, he'll become kind of a, a recurring guest for a couple of years. Um, and there's always like a, a kind of cool energy when he's around. And, and so, yeah, I just think these are, these are fun episodes. And, and as I mentioned, you know, the, the first half of season five has some episodes that I kind of uh, rolled my eyes at and wasn't really happy with where the season was going. But now that we've come back from the holiday, the break, um, I, I, I just I like the momentum, the energy of these episodes it really feels like they're back to form. Um, and this is good stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. And there's one great line that um, I really love when uh, Sam and Woody have a talking and um, I guess they're talking, I think Woody asks Sam how he dealt with, you know, disappointment or his, you know, having a bad game. And Sam responds with saying, I used to drink myself into a coma. And what is why? <laughs> Did it work? Did it work? <laughs> and again, it's delivered in, with such earnestness. Like, there's no guile. It's not Woody trying to get off a shot at Sam. He's He's legit, you know. Did it work? And, you know, of course, Sam doesn't respond to that because it's just, you know, what do you, you know, you don't respond to that. But yeah, it's, you know, Sam, you know, obviously we, we, we know Sam's past history. You know, he was a, you know, pitcher with the Red Sox and he descended into alcoholism. Obviously, he got clean and sober, bought the bar, and, you know, he's been, you know, living a pretty good life ever since. But, you know, yeah, I, I drink, I drank myself in a coma. Did it work? <laughs> quintessential woody i mean like i said woody harrelson but this is like his second season on the show and he's really brought he's no longer like a coach wannabe or a coach junior he's his own person i mean there's there's certain elements of coach in there you know the kind of naivete and the you know that kind of thing but woody harrelson has really made this character his own and he's i really feel like he's a character that pretty much from the get-go has fit in, you know, and, and it wasn't, I, I can't imagine it being easy to step in after the late, great Nicholas Colasanto, who was absolutely wonderful as coach. You know, I can't imagine it was easy for him, but especially whereas this was like one of his first big, you know, jobs. I think it was his first sure. uh, credit on IMDb. So, you know, more power to him, but a great line, a nice little exchange and the chemistry between, um, you know, Ted Danson and Woody Harrelson is Woody and Sam Again, you said there's like Sam's kind of like this older brother to him, and Woody is the type of person who needs an older brother. Someone, someone like Sam was a little more savvy with uh, you know the real world, but yet at the same time, you know, sort of puts up with him and tolerates him, and kind of just he he knows where he's coming from. But it was a, it was a nice little exchange. I, I just thought it was a you know it was a good line. Um, for Norm's tab for this episode, he had three beers. So he's now at 454 for the series. For the employee of the week, uh, pretty pretty naturally, I did give this one to Carla, um, just because the the different like emotions that she has to play in terms of hopeful, sad, depressed, happy, just all over the place. And yeah, I just yeah, it was it was the Carla episode, and everybody else had great moments, but I think that she owned it, and I was I, yeah, pretty happy. 
I'm going to give my employee of the week to Diane. If only uh-huh. for that one scene in the jury room. <laughs> I mean, because, you know, it was it was alluded to in the previous episode, but we actually got to see it play out a little bit. And we got to see that no matter where Diane goes, she creates frustration and, <laughs> you know, uh, tension wherever she goes. It doesn't. It's not just cheers. I mean, this is obviously a life and death thing. And she's very uh, Diane is one of those people who is very principled. Uh, very, you know, when she latches on to something, she's not going to let it go. And she still doesn't let it go. I mean, she, to the point where when they, the couple shows up at Cheers, she's still letting them, she's still voicing her opinion. Now she's like saying, I don't believe this, you know? Um, I I think Shelley Long was a treasure. And I think she really did herself a disservice by leaving Cheers. I mean, I thought, you know, she probably thought she was going to have a big movie career or what have you, and maybe, you know, and based on how popular Cheers was, I can kind of see where she might have thought that. But I think this was a show that made such good use of Shelley Long's timing, her her acting ability. And, you know, she's really, like, like, like everybody in the show, this is the fifth season, she has perfected Diane. Diane is, like, is as good as she's ever going to be. So maybe, in a sense, maybe, like I said, you know, I, I think by leaving she she will give the show a new lease on life, although it was not seen that way at the time, but yeah, I, I just think just that one scene alone, and of course she contributes, you know, other parts. Oh, she, she won't let it go. That's the great thing about it. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously by the end, of the, you know, the next episode she, it's, it's forgotten, but you know, Diane is like a dog on a bone. You, she's not going right. to give up, but she, I thought she was great. Yeah. And uh, I mean, this, I, I kind of, I kind of go through this a lot, you know, every season with every guest. And I, I think even as you, you mentioned before, I think at this point, the Sam and Diane relationship had kind of, as, as great as their chemistry was, as wonderful as the two of them were, where else could they go? Like, like, could, like, if they had gotten married, if they actually had done that, like, like where, like, I, I felt like their relationship had to end. Like, and like they were just, they just weren't built to last that long. So without them, without the Sam and Diane romance as the relationship, like what was her place in the show? Could she have lasted any longer? And maybe, but it just, I, I, I feel like it would have been inorganic. And so, yeah, I, I feel like, her being in the show could only last as long as the romance between Sam and Diane. And, and once that energy has been spent, I I think she had to kind of leave. Now I I think they were right to keep going because there was definitely by now, you know, we've seen that there there's enough juice with the supporting characters and with the bar itself and the life that it has there that they, they could go on and they did. And they were very successful because they did more seasons without Shelly than they did with her. Right. Um, Shelly was talented enough and her chemistry with Ted Danson was right. And the, the writers were well enough. They could have done more with her longer. I just, I don't know. Maybe it's a failure of imagination on my point. Like I, I can't see them doing it another way and it being as successful as the show was. Um, well, and unfortunately that means, and, and because I like the character of Diane more than the character of Rebecca, but I, I think we needed those Rebecca years because of it, it brought the show to a different place and a new place that it needed to go. So. Well, you know, you yourself have brought up many, many times over the past few seasons of Cheers and the episode, all the episodes you've covered. When you really get down to it, Sam and Diane are a toxic couple. 
Mm-hmm. When I was watching the show back in the 80s when it was brand new, I didn't really, I, I wasn't old enough to really have the critical faculty or the life experience to see that. It just seemed that whenever they were together, it was funny, it was dynamic. And, you know, when she left, it was, de- you know, it was like, whoa, what's going to happen to the show? Because there was, there was a lot of concern um, I, with the audience, the network, and I'm sure obviously the producers and the cast of where the show was going to go. Because so, this show had been pretty much built and propped up on the Sam Diane up and down, off and on dynamic of the relationship. But you're right. You know, like you've said many times before, this is a toxic relationship. They are not a good couple. They may have sexual chemistry. They may have a romantic chemistry. But in the final analysis, they just bring out the worst in each other. And, you know, like I said, in a weird way, Shelley Long's leaving uh, buys the show a new lease on life. It, they had to bring in, you know, Kirstie Alley as Rebecca, which we'll probably talk about next season. But yeah, it just, it just was, it, the time was passed and it was, and it was when you watch an episode like this, where Sam and Diane don't really have anything to do together in this episode, really, they, she just talks about the, the, the jury trial and he just kind of goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's really not as involved with the other storylines, you know, certainly not the Carl and Eddie story. I mean the, um, yeah, Carl and Eddie storyline, but again, they, I'm sure the writers would have found a way to make it work. Had Shelley long stayed, you know, maybe they would have gotten married and we would have seen, you know, uh, but you, you almost imagine like that at some point, maybe they would have divorced, but we'll never, we'll never know. And, it's just as well. I, but I, again, this is, this episode was a lot of fun and I enjoyed it, you know, for me, I, I guess, I mean, it's not a, a particular scene or a particular moment, but for me, the best part of the episode, the home run was just the final revelation that like the, 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 the twist at the end that they found the loophole, that they're able to actually stay together and be a couple and be happy as long as they do this performative, very public, painful breakup for the for the sake of the audience and everything like that and for the sake of cheers like that's just like this silly part of their superstitious thing as much as his his club soda no ice two limes and a red straw they have to do this breakup scene but really they're still happy together in secret so yeah for me the home run it's it's just kind of a a standalone one-liner where uh, norm is talking to cliff and he goes you know cliff you're a walking encyclopedia unfortunately <laughs> You're a talking encyclopedia. I mean, one of, the, <laughs> one of the like million and a half great lines that people, that someone gets off, you know, see, it's, sometimes it's Norm, a lot of times it's Carla, but Cliff just kind of sets himself up for these things because he's, you know, he's the bar know-it-all and he's not right. shy about expressing his opinion or sharing uh, a bit of knowledge that he thinks is pertinent to what's going on. But, you know, just a great exchange between the two. But you'd make a good point, though, about the whole the whole loophole thing, which is a very ingenious way of getting around it. And which obviously, you know, like I said, we won't see Eddie till next season. But I guess presumably we have to assume that, you know, they're still seeing each other. We just don't we just don't see it because Jay Thomas isn't on the show, you know, week in and week out. But it like again, like we like you said, it's nice to see a Carla relationship not end you know with a pregnancy or her being really sad they've just established this kind of thing where okay we're gonna have to pretend but yeah i mean i'll stand by my you know my uh, home run but i mean in any given episode of cheers there's all there's 
usually several great lines that can contend for that slot. It's hard sometimes to pick one, but you know, that's just my opinion. I think Norm got off a great line at Cliff's expense. All righty. That is it for never love a goalie part two. Chris, thank you very much for coming back and being my guest on this one again. Where else can people find you if they want to hear more from you? Uh, you can find me on the internet under my name, Chris Garam, uh, on Facebook. And I am also the host of Mr. As we just uh, talked about Mr. K's super show, which is a uh, music uh, podcast about classic rock and pop. Uh, I also do a side cast that's tied into that called the pod remains the same, which is about Led Zeppelin. Uh, you can find Mr. K's super show or the pod remains the same on um, Apple podcasts, Podomatic, or basically any podcatcher of choice. And uh, please check them out, you know, go onto the Mr. K page and, you know, rank the episodes and if, you know, and I hope you enjoy it. And uh, I want to thank you, Ryan, for, you know, inviting me to be on this, you know, two part episode, which really fun to talk about two great episodes of cheers and, you know, a really fun episode. I mean, most of them are fun, but, you know, like you said, they're having some episodes this season that were kind of, you know, a little shaky, but this is definitely not one of them. There's a lot of heart in it and it's nice to sort of see Carla uh, as a character get the spotlight to herself and not have it be another episode where you know um, Nick is coming back to town to seduce her or to uh, you know I don't know hit her up for money or I don't know whatever so it was a lot of fun and I I really appreciate it and hopefully uh, we'll get to do this again uh, you know next season on Cheers Cast Uh, thanks again and uh, thanks to all of you out there who listen to Cheers Cast and support the show by liking and sharing on social media and leaving comments on the website fireandwaterpodcast.com you can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon special thanks to Ashford from the Right On Podcast Network and Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents who sponsor this show go to patreon.com slash fwpodcasts to support your favorite shows on the Fire and Water Network thanks everyone for listening and until next time we're closed. Huh. The trial is over. Well, good. Who won? Certainly not justice. I'm afraid the wife decided to drop all charges. But I say the husband is a con artist who somehow managed to convince that naive woman that he loves her. How can a man tell a woman that he loves her and yet try to kill her? I can see it. I can see it. <laughs>